Father, we thank you, Lord, for once again for the time of, of intimate worship with you and, Lord, just drawing close to you. And, Lord, we're just, we celebrate the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ, Messiah, the Anointed One. Lord, we thank you for that, Lord. And that's why we gather today, because we know that uh, he was given to us and that through him we might have salvation, Father, as we surrender our lives to him. And so, Father, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts today that those of us who are saved, that we would be totally encouraged, and those who are not, they would be challenged to surrender their lives to you. Uh, We thank you so much, Lord, and I decrease that you would increase, empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself, that everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen. So today's message will be from two texts. Matthew chapter 1, you can actually turn to Matthew chapter 1 if you have your Bibles or Bible app. Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 23 is the first text, and then we're going to jump to Luke chapter 2, verse 11, so make sure you have your Bibles ready uh, to jump to that text. Uh, My message is short and uh, to the point, so we're going to jump right into it. Is that okay? The title of my message is, It's Not a Myth. Everyone say that. Now, before we even dive into the text, I want to set the stage for the message, and I want to go back to the Old Testament. And you see, friends, when we read the Old Testament, we find that there are many prophecies concerning the birth of Jesus Christ. In fact, friends, over 300 specific prophecies are fulfilled in the life and ministry of this one child. Listen, God had long before determined to rescue mankind through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And you see his birth, say his birth, his birth is not a myth. It's not a feeble, are you with me? Or fable, should I say. It's an historical account. It's a fact. Say, it's a fact. So I want you to follow me here. The scripture should be on the screen there. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it says, He will be born of a woman, and that he will reconcile people to God, and that he will crush evil at the cost of his life. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 13, and verse 16, It says he will be a descendant of David, establishing, listen now, establishing a permanent, say permanent, kingdom. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says that he will be born in Bethlehem. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says he will be born of a virgin, obviously conceived without the aid of a human father. In Isaiah 9, 6, a well-familiar verse that we know, passage that we know, it says, for to us a child is born, that's speaking of his humanity, To us, the Son is given His deity, and the government will be on His shoulders, speaking of His millennial reign, and He will be called Wonderful Counselor. He's a profound God, mighty God. He's a powerful God, everlasting Father. He's a persistent God, and Prince of Peace. He's a peace-giving God. So that being said, here in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew is led by the Spirit of God to record, say record, Come on, say record the events of the birth of Jesus. And he does this by giving details. And in verses 1 through 17 of Matthew chapter 1 is the record of the Messiah. Say the record of the Messiah. And Matthew, what he does, he traces the genealogy leading to Jesus. And verses 18 through 25 is the revelation. Say revelation concerning Jesus. The Messiah. So verses 1 through 17 is the record of the Messiah. Verses 18 through 25 is the revelation concerning the Messiah. Five points if you're ready, say yes. 
So Matthew chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 21 to 23 right now. And here is the message in the dream where the angel reveals, reveals to Joseph that Mary will bear a son. Are you guys ready? Number one is this, his, speaking of the son, Jesus, his preeminence. Say that. Write that down, his preeminence. And then we look at verse 21 of Matthew chapter 1. And it says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Say Jesus. Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. Now, in that day, Jesus was a very, very common name. It's the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. You guys with me? But at his birth, Jesus became a special name, a preeminent name, a name, listen now, distinguished above all others. Got it? It speaks of who he is. And what it does, it declares his deity as the son of God. He's distinguished above all others. His name is known in heaven. It's recognized by the angels. It's the name that brings fear to Satan and the forces of hell. And we know that, friends, it's a name that's loved and hated. It's a name that is, listen now, cursed and honored. It's a name that's received and rejected. But his name is a name above all other names. Amen? And it's still the name that brings comfort to those in despair, brings comfort to those listen, in despair, those who uh, comfort to those and hope to the hopeless and salvation to the sinner. I want you to write this down, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Acts 4, verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name, see no other name, under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So we have his preeminence. Are you guys with me? His name is distinguished above all others. Number two is his person. Say that. His person, verses 22 through 23. Stay with me now. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet, and that prophet is the prophet Isaiah. Can we mention it in our introduction? Verse 23, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. It's all right, Emmanuel. Okay, you're good. Which means what? What does it mean? Love that. We sang that song, right? Say Emmanuel. And this is his name that is seldom spoken of. You rarely hear people say Emmanuel, but it holds special significance because it means what? God is with us. And that's a good thing, amen? And what it does, it reminds you and I, listen now, friends, of Jesus' humanity. He came as God in the flesh. He came as the perfect God-man. He was born of a virgin, conceived, conceived of the Holy Spirit. And on that faithful, amazing, wonderful day, God came in the form of a man to dwell among fallen creation. Now, I want you to write this down. Some of you might know this by heart. John chapter 1, verse 14. John 1, 14. John writes the word. Say the word. Well, who's the word? Jesus. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So he tabernacled. He tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten, only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And I want to tell you that these are probably the most important words in the entire Bible. This is the great truth that sets Christianity apart from all of the other world religions that we have in this world today. Someone put it this way. Our God has not remained remote and unapproachable. He has come to us in person. 
He didn't just write us a letter. He didn't just send us a representative. He didn't just speak his laws from a mountain. He came to us as one of us. The infinite became an infant so we could identify with him. And by the way, friends, why, why, why was Jesus born in a manger and not in a palace? Why? Well, the immediate reason is, listen now, so that the shepherds might find him. The eternal reason is that sinners might be able to identify with him. Got it? And approach him for salvation. I want you to think about it. Think about it. Isn't it amazing that Jesus came at all? Didn't have to. Didn't have to. Didn't have to, but he came, right? And he left all the splendor of heaven, and he laid aside, laid aside his glory, and was robed in flesh, all for you, all for me. Philippians 2.7 says this. Write it down so you might know this by heart. But made himself, speaking of Jesus, of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. We call this kenosis. And friends, without our Emmanuel, there would be no salvation. Right? Had he not come, we would still be lost in our what? In our sins. And I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that he came to redeem us. Now, if you're saved, say amen. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know your circumstances right now, but let me say this. God is with you. And, and I know that he may not, you may, you may feel like he's not there, but he is. He's with you. And this is a comfort that you and I can hold on to this day, is that regardless of what we're going through, as bleak as it looks, as painful as it is, as it is we know that God is with us. Amen? And that's the great news of Christmas. He's Emmanuel. Say Emmanuel. Now I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Did you do that? Luke chapter 2, verse 11. We're going to spend the rest of our time in one verse. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Say his preeminence. Say his person. Number three is his purpose. Okay, Luke chapter 2, verse 11. And the angel, had, the angel there had brought good news, right? Good tidings of great joy. Excuse me, great tidings of great joy. So let's look at verse 11a. When I say a, that's the first part of verse 11. Today, say today. I want to stop there. God's timing is perfect. Got it? Prophecy, in other words, when he says today, what he's saying is that prophecy was fulfilled. The birth of baby Jesus had taken place that day, so the timing of the incarnation was perfect. Got it? God sent his son, born of a virgin. It was the right time and the, and the right person. The time was right. Say that. The time. So follow me. Today, right, speaking of perfect timing, in the town of David, say that. So what this is, this is a reference now, a reference to Bethlehem. It's David's town because it was there, it was, it, it was where his grandpa Boaz and his father Jesse were from and where David grew up. And so what this does, this fulfilled a 700-year prophecy. Listen, in order to fulfill the promise of salvation, Jesus had to be a direct descendant of King David. You guys with me? Then he says this, today in the town of David, a Savior, say Savior, has been born to you. Say Savior again. 
Savior, we know this, right, means deliverer. It pictures him, Jesus, as a sacrifice. Friends, Jesus came to set us free, mankind free, from our sin. Amen? Now, he's, he's not called a great example. He's not called a great teacher, even though he is the greatest example and though he is the greatest teacher. He's called Savior. Because our greatest need is salvation. Our greatest need is forgiveness. It's not information. It's not technology. It's not money. It's not pleasure. It's forgiveness. We need forgiveness. So you ready for the lesson? Very simple. We are sinners in need of a Savior. Got it? We are sinners in need of a Savior because our greatest need is forgiveness. And he, Jesus Christ, alone could purchase our forgiveness. And without the Savior, we would still be lost in our sin. He came to save us. And we know this, come on. He came to save us from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and ultimately from the very presence of sin. Amen? Say his preeminence. Say his person. Say his purpose. Number four is his priesthood. Write that down. Look at verse 11b, the second part of verse 11. He is Christ, the Christ, or your Bibles might render as the Messiah. Say Messiah. Now say Christ. Say Messiah. And so the Greek word is Christos, and it means the same as the Hebrew Messiah. Christ is the Messiah. In other words, the anointed one. Got it? In Matthew 16, verse 16, Peter said, you are the Christ. There it is, the Messiah. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And ultimately, Jesus was anointed to suffer and then die as a substitute for our sins and for the sins of the world. He's the one who will reconcile, reconcile mankind to God. He's the one to whom all, listen now, we've got to get this. He's the one to whom all the sacrifices and types in the Old Testament have pointed to. So he's the one the prophets preached about, the anointed one. In other words, they're saying the anointed one has come. So Jesus is the anointed great high priest. Not just a high priest, great high priest. Say great high priest. And I want you to follow me here. And as the anointed great high priest, follow me, three things here. He talks to the Father on our behalf. I mean, how amazing is that? Got it? As the anointed great high priest, he talks to the Father on our behalf. Now write this down, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Hebrews 7, verse 25 says, Therefore he is able to save completely those. He saves us completely. You're not mostly saved. <laughs> okay? All right? All right? You're not half saved. You're completely saved. Amen? Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives, and I love this, here we go, always lives to intercede for them. It should blow our minds. I mean, you read that, it should blow our minds to know that Jesus is praying for us. He not only saved you, okay, he's praying for you. Huh? And, and we're going to stumble, and we're going to fall, but Jesus is praying for us so that you and I can continue to press on in the faith. Amen? 
So, so, so as an anointed great high priest, he talks to the Father on our behalf. Another thing is this. He pleads, and I love this, he pleads our case before the throne of God. He pleads our case before the throne of God. And so I want you to write that down. Then I want you to write this down. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. 1 John 2, verse 1. And John writes this. My dear children, I write this to you. And this is what he says. So that you will not sin. And what he's saying there is that make it our aim not to sin. Got it? Not to be entrapped by a pattern of sin. Don't be characterized by sin. Got it? But if anybody does sin, and we do, right? We have, I love this, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. And who's that? Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So listen, when you and I, when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Come on, say advocate. A, a divine, in other words, a divine defense attorney. Got it? And that's Jesus Christ. So we're in good hands. Why? Because Jesus, he's the judge's son. Okay? The Greek word for advocate is parakletos. Say that. Now, it does mean one who comes alongside to help, but it also means one who speaks on our defense. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, it says the devil, the devil is accuser of the brethren. He's always doing that, right? So when he, the devil, accuses us, our defense attorney, Jesus Christ, says that our penalty has been paid in full by him, and he can show the scars or prove it, Jesus says, case closed. Amen? So as the anointed great high priest, he talks to the Father on our behalf. He pleads our case before the throne of God. And here we go. He provides a means by which we can approach the Father. He provides a means by which we can approach the Father. Now, if you're safe, say amen. We have direct access to the throne room of God. Did you get that? And Jesus stands as our mediator making intercession for us. Now, I want you to write these scriptures down. 1 Timothy 2.5. 1 Timothy 2.5. Paul writes, For there is one God, say one God, and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He's our mediator. Hebrews 4.14. Write that down. Hebrews 4.14. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, say confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So you and I were saved, we can come before the Father without fear, boldly come unto Him, right, the throne room of grace, because we stand cleansed in the blood of the Lamb. You see, God doesn't see us as condemned sinners, but as cleansed saints. Can I get an Amen. Say his preeminence, say his person, say his purpose, say his priesthood. And number five, here we go, is his power. Say his power. I say it like you have power, say his power. Love it, amen. Verse 11, C, the last part of verse 11, he says, the, the Lord. The Lord. Say the Lord. In other words, when he says the Lord, He's speaking that he's fully God. Say fully God. 
This is an amazing title reserved in the Old Testament for God alone. This particular name speaks of his supreme authority. Got it? He is our master. Now, if you're safe, say amen. We serve and we worship the King of kings and what? The Lord of lords. And see, there has never been a time when Jesus wasn't Lord. Got it? He didn't become Lord. He is Lord. And in the text, here in the text, the angel is declaring that Jesus, get this now, is Yahweh. Got it? In other words, Jesus is not just from God. He is God. Amen? He, he was Lord on earth. He was possessing complete authority. He was Lord over the waves, the demons. Lord all manner of sickness, over all manner of sickness and even death. He's even Lord over hell and the grave. Listen, church, never think that the cross was the end. Never think that the cross was the end. Even in his death, Jesus was Lord. And what he did, he laid down his life and took it up again. He is Lord of all. Amen? So you ready for the lesson? Here's the lesson. Jesus is to be Lord of my life. Got it? As Lord, Jesus is master. He's In other words, he's in charge of my life, of your life. He's supreme. This title, Lord, should remind every one of us here today who are saved that Jesus Christ is to be the absolute authority in our lives. Not culture, not popular opinion. Jesus Christ and his word should be the absolute authority in our lives. He is to be Lord of our lives. Amen? So question, is he? Is he? Is he the one who has complete control of your life. Is he the one, listen now, are you following his agenda? And we, we hear this all the time, you know, not just Savior, but what? Lord. Lord of your life. And he should be. If we call ourselves believers, listen friends, he's to be the absolute authority in my life, in my marriage, in my home, Wherever I'm at, he's Lord. Amen? So we're going to wrap it up real quick here, okay? I want us to go back to verse 11, the first part of verse 11. Just let's go back to that. Today in the town of David, read it with me. Today in the town of David, a who? A Savior has been born to who? To you. That's personal. You guys get that? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. It's personal. The Savior has been born to you. But you must come to Him. Are you with me? You must respond. You must respond. And there are many here who have responded. There are some who have not. So I, was, I want us all to stand as we close here tonight. And I want us to pay attention. The Bible says, not me, the Bible says that Jesus Christ 
is the way, the truth, and the life. There are not many roads to heaven. Only one road, one way, to one person, God's Son, Jesus Christ. And the world out there will tell you there are many roads. The world will tell you, oh, as long as you're good, no one's good, to be honest with you. We are only made good to the righteousness of God. So I don't know, perhaps you're invited by someone, perhaps you've been coming here for a while, I don't know, but let me tell you this right now. The greatest gift given to mankind is God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And it's a gift. And you either can just leave it there or you can open it up. It's up to you because he's not going to force you to be with him against your own will. He wants you to come to him and he wants you to love him. When I talk about religion, not talking about religion, we're talking about a relationship with the living God. Amen? Perhaps there's someone here this, tonight that you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, never give your, given your life completely over to Jesus, and you're feeling a tugging at your heart that's the Spirit of God working around you. If that's you, you come right now to the front, and I want to pray for you that you would receive Him as Lord and Savior and be saved so you'll have eternal life. Is there someone here that says, you know, Pastor, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to, I want to live right. I, I want to surrender everything to Him. Amen. Come on. Come on. Come on. Elise, you want to come with her? Huh? Come on. Come with her, Elise. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? So I want you just to repeat this prayer after me, okay? And do we have anyone for the altar call team here? That Anyway, I'll, I'll give her a, a New Believer's Bible and we'll, we'll work that out, okay? Okay, so just repeat this prayer after me, okay? Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, admit I admit that I'm a sinner, that I'm a sinner and I need you, I need you to, come into my life to come into my life to save me, to save me and to change me. I invite you into my life today. I invite you into my life today. Be Lord and Savior of my life. Be Lord and Savior of my life. I confess you with my mouth. I confess you with my mouth. I confess you with my mouth. And I believe within my heart. And I believe within my heart. You are Lord. You are Lord. You were raised from the dead. You were raised from Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For saving me. <laughs> for saving me. I am saved. I'm sealed. Sealed. Sanctified. Sanctified. Satisfied. Satisfied. Justified. Justified. Purchased by the blood. Purchased by the blood. Of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I am saved. I am saved. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For receiving me. For receiving me. And from this day forth. From this day forth. I will serve you faithfully. I will serve you faithfully. Until you call me home. Until you call me home. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.